How do you feel about roughhousing? Is it something you're comfortable with or is it something that makes your skin crawl? Today, we're going to talk about why roughhousing is good. Let's keep calm and mother on. Mothering is way too important to do alone and way too serious to be serious all the time. My name is Christy Thomas, and I am here shoulder to shoulder with you, mothering and enjoying life together. This is the podcast where you can focus on being mindful and taking a deep breath with me and learning new things so you can pause and savor the amazing life you already have. So Lawrence Cohn is our guest today, and he's the author of Playful Parenting, an award-winning book, The Opposite of Worry, that talks about anxieties and fears. He's the co-author of Best Friends, Worst Enemies, and Mom, They're Teasing Me, Roughhousing with Your Kids, and a brand new book, which is why we're having the conversation, called Unplug and Play, which is an ultimate illustrated guide to roughhousing with your kids. I've already bought three copies on pre-order. Um, I asked him to come here because I've read all of his books over the years, and I think that we really do need someone to teach us and to show us in pictures how to get over our fears of roughhousing. I am very excited today to welcome Lawrence Cohn, PhD. He's a psychologist. He's the author of some of my favorite books, Playful Parenting and the Opposite of Worry. And now he has a newest book he's co-authored called Unplug and Play. Yeah, <laughs> the ultimate illustrated guide to roughhousing with your kids. So welcome. I am just tickled pink. I get to talk to you. Thanks, Christy. Great to be with you and your listeners. Yeah. So here's, um, you wrote a book about roughhousing before, but this one's new. It's got pictures in it. It's got a co-author. Why yeah, this is, roughhousing? This is, yeah. Yeah. This is the reboot. So we, the old version was the art of roughhousing and this one is called, uh, unplug and play and it's got more up to date pictures and, uh, well, there's a few audiences for this book okay. um, for a few reasons that we that we wrote it. And one is for people who already love roughhousing or parents who already love roughhousing and they know it's great and they know it's fun and they want new ideas and, and uh, creative outside the box kind of ideas for roughhousing. And this mm-hmm. book is full of them. Um, for beginners and for advanced and for really adventurous kids and adventurous parents. Yeah. <laughs> And then the next reason is for people who just hate roughhousing <laughs> or they're scared of it. And it's like, get that away from me. Um, and so we have a lot of uh, descriptions about and, and data about why it's actually good for kids, good for parents and kids to do together. Mm-hmm. Great for the relationship. Um, builds uh, Builds all the skills that we want to build in kids. Um, and it's not anything to be afraid of. We can make it safe. Yeah, because roughhousing is a really intimidating form of play. For some people, yeah. And it was for me. Okay, um, that's good. It's it's intimidating. Like, I can do it with toddlers, and then as the bodies yeah. grow, I know that <laughs> yeah. I back off from roughhousing. Exactly. When I was a boy, what I called roughhousing was actually like bigger, tougher kids picking on me or beating yeah. me up. Like, that's not fun. Why would you ever want to do that? Yeah. Um, and, but when I became a father, I noticed that my daughter loved rough and tumble play. And I saw her do it with other people. And I thought, I'm missing out. 
on the joy and fun and excitement of this. And so I pushed myself. Um, and obviously I learned to love it. Yeah. Uh, you're a huge advocate for it now. Yeah. Now I'm a big advocate and, and I realized that this was just my old fears were getting in the way. Um, there's a few basic things that can keep it safe. Um, and that, uh, that children love it so much. And this book focuses mostly on parents and children roughhousing together. I think that's really important. We touch on kids roughhousing with each other. Um, and there's certainly things we can do to make that safer and more fun. Mm-hmm. But um, kids don't need much encouragement to do that. Uh, no, they naturally. <laughs> encouragement uh, to get on the floor and roughhouse. Yeah. So I think the things that hold me back from roughhousing and are pre- probably pretty common are I'm scared of the intensity of it. I'm scared yeah. of what feels like it's going to turn violent. And um, and then now post-pandemic parenting, and definitely during the pandemic, I was definitely scared of the safety element because going to the hospital felt off limits. And sure. I didn't want to do anything sure. too risky. And I'm realizing that also has negative consequences. Exactly, exactly right. We're so tuned in to the dangers of getting hurt, but... We're, we don't tune in usually to the dangers of a life without risk. Mm-hmm. Just all the limitations when we remove all risk. So let me address the intensity part. Yes, please. Uh, and the, the becoming violent, because this certainly can happen. I've seen it happen. Mm-hmm. And there's a few simple fixes for that. Um, and um, what happens is that roughhousing is exciting. And so... Young people will get excited and then it revs up and up and up and up and up. Yep. <laughs> and then they can be overexcited and they, they're so excited that they're flooded with that intense emotion of excitement. And that leaves them, um, you know, to forget, you know, forget mm-hmm. safety rules, forget that kind of stuff. Um, so, um, the, the thing to do to help that is to rise and fall and rise and fall. And there's a few good ways to do that. So if you're wrestling, mm-hmm. then you do short rounds. Okay? Mm-hmm. It's like a wrestling match or a boxing match or something. Now, roughhousing is not that. Right. I think of roughhousing more as dancing than like than as fighting, even if you're playing fighting. <laughs> yeah. You're tuned into one another and it's a dance. So it's a collaboration. Do, it's a collaboration, right. And so you you do um Short round. So 20 seconds, 20 seconds, 30 seconds. Um, you're like, okay, go, ding, ding, ding. Okay. <laughs> Back to your neutral corners. Okay, go. So you want the pause to be short, um, manageable, and then back to it. And so rev, calm, rev, calm, rev, calm, rev, calm is very different from rev, 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 rev. Yeah. You can have waves of intensity. Yes, exactly. So waves of intensity. Another way to have waves of intensity is saying freeze. So you're doing a pillow fight and you're, everybody's going wild, pillow fighting, freeze. Okay, go. So you want the freeze to be very short, half a second. Okay. Freeze. Okay, go. It's just as long as it takes to say freeze. Because you don't want to start into a fight of you didn't freeze and that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you don't want the freeze to cause the drama. Right. So you could grab a kid. But grab them so fast that you've let them go before they even know that you've grabbed them. And you can freeze in a funny position. I always, whenever <laughs> I say freeze, I make sure I'm in a funny position. Because then 
they tune into that and that that humor calms things down. Mm-hmm. So freeze, go, freeze, go. Um, and the freezes can be frequent, and but keep them very short. Okay. Now, once kid can get that, I like to add in a layer. And I start saying banana cream pie instead of freeze. <laughs> I don't know why I always say banana cream pie. It could be anything. And the reason for that is now their brain has to say, Banana cream pie, what's that? Oh, that means freeze. Okay, I freeze. Okay, go. And you're already back going again before you've really consciously thought all that. Yeah. But you've actively activated another part of the brain. The reason that it gets out of control is that you're in one mode and it's all that intensity, intensity, Mm -hmm. intensity. And you get emotionally overloaded, even though the emotion is excitement. Yeah. Positive emotion. Overload is overload. And so, sure, it's not as dangerous as being overloaded with rage, but you're still overloaded with emotion. Mm-hmm. And so if we can cool things down with, with, uh, with humor, with pauses, then you don't get overloaded. And then one more trick for keeping the intensity. Yeah. Keeping it from getting violent is I always like to start and stop with a connection. Okay. And it's kind of a, you make it kind of a ritual. Mm-hmm. So it could be bowing to each other. And I like to make a joke like before yeah. we beat each other to death, we bow <laughs> to each other. Or it could be high five or a handshake or a hug. And you start with it and end with it. And it puts a frame around it. Mm-hmm. And it keeps it all about connection because that's why we're doing it to build connection. We're not doing it to make kids tougher. We're not doing it. Well, it does get energy out, but that's not the primary motive. Right. The primary motive is connection. Right. Because rough and tumble play, this style of play is seen <clears throat> when you go to the zoo. It's seen by all biologists. Um, exactly. It's not just the human thing. It's a, it's a needed thing. Exactly. Exactly. I'm so glad you brought that up. Cause, uh, and let me tell one of my favorite stories. Yes. Because uh, we, uh, my co-author Anthony and I researched a lot of the animal uh, research on play. Yeah. Which is, it's all rough and tumble play. <laughs> and it's not just bears and foxes and, and wolves, but also ants will wrestle each other, which I never knew. That's crazy. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, parents are really get caught up in how do I, how do I, what kind of consequences do I give if a child, you know, goes too far? Yeah. You know, we're playing happily and all of a sudden somebody gets hurt and they go too far. Well, my mentor for this is the mama wolf. <laughs> okay. And the mama wolf plays with their cubs and the play is they jump on her and attack her. Yeah. So they're kind of practicing their adult skills, you know, hunting and fighting. And if they nip too hard, they have little sharp teeth. It's, you know, wolf pups. Yeah. And if they nip too hard, the mama wolf goes, yeah, and the pups jump back, and then they go back to playing. Okay, the mama wolf doesn't say, go into the den. You no, are back. time out, now yeah. You can play nicely. Time out. I'm not playing with you. Um, somebody always gets her. You're too rough. You know, mama wolf doesn't need to say any of that. She has a genuine physical, emotional reaction. Like, ah! Yeah. And the pups get it. 
and they don't get it one, you know, it happens more than once, you know. Our children <laughs> Absolutely. are very smart. Your children are so smart. But big important things they don't learn in one moment. They don't learn to talk overnight. They no. don't learn to walk overnight. They don't learn to share overnight. And they don't learn to manage those impulses and and control their aggression and um, all that good stuff. They don't learn that overnight. But we want them to learn it. And roughhousing actually helps them to manage their aggression. You know, even though it can look like aggression, Mm -hmm. aggressive play is not aggression. Aggressive play is play. And that's whether you're playing pretend cops and robbers and good guys, bad guys, or pillow fighting or wrestling, um, and, um, or lobbing water balloons at each other or lobbing rolled up socks again. uh, Oh, yeah. That's one of my favorites. Um, I love the framework that you set up with the play of like having that ritual to begin it and end it so that there's a special bubble around it. And also the idea that you can keep playing when like you can, you don't have to lecture a kid in the middle of play. Like that mama wolf thing is great because so often like you don't want to interrupt it and you can tell on the kid's face, but Right. And yeah, so one thing I like to say is, oh, let's go over the rules again. Yeah. And if they don't say them, then I say them. And I say it in a relaxed way. It's you kind of master this kind of Zen like thing where each time it's the same. You don't have to escalate it. They're going to forget again. And then you just gently remind them again. Oh, let's go over the rules again. And then you try to shift towards they have to say the rules instead of you. Yeah. They're eager to get back to playing. And so they will, they will want to get back to playing. So it's like, okay, yeah, no punching, no kicking. Right. Okay. Let's get back to it. Just pushing, no punching, no kicking. Um, and there's no, the lecture doesn't get in anyway. <laughs> That's, That's good to be us. reminded. <laughs> we do that for our benefit and it's no benefit because when it doesn't work, we get frustrated and angry. So where's the benefit to anybody? Absolutely. And then the other thing. So roughhousing, it sounds like, helps with connection and joy. That's why we want to do it with our kids and participate in it. But it can help with emotional regulation. And then nowadays, right, a big topic of concern is protecting our kids from good touches and bad touches. And roughhousing is a really good place to practice consent and to teach what good touching actually is instead of being afraid of people. Exactly, Christine. Let's unpack that some. Please. It's a lot right there. You're right. So um, what's missing in for a lot of families is um, the big range of healthy touch. Mm-hmm. So it's like, don't do that, don't do that. And maybe there's a hug, but there's such a big range of healthy touch and playful High energy, healthy touch. That's what roughhousing is all about. And so when children are full of that, when they get lots of the nurturing touch mm-hmm. and the playful touch. So, you know, fun wrestling games and fun, um, and, and cozy nurturing, mm-hmm. then they don't have that touch hunger. Okay. And they're not as susceptible when they grow up to being victimized because you know, people who target children are good at spotting who's yep. going to be vulnerable. 
and one vulnerability is loneliness, and one vulnerability is that touch hunger. Okay. And so we fill them up with, and, and then they know with friends, like, okay, they know what good, healthy touch is like. Mm-hmm. I get upset when playgrounds or schools ban contact. So like, we want to, we don't want to oh. have any assaults. Yep. So we don't want to open touch each other at all. It's like, no, we, it's breathing. It's like, might as well ban breathing. Yeah. You, know, you look at groups of kids together and they're, you know, combing each other's hair and they're patting each other back and they're climbing on each other like puppies. And this is yeah, very helpful. we're supposed very to humble. live very in community natural. like that. Exactly, exactly. And you know, I, I think it's it's very good that you brought up consent because we have a huge problem in our culture where um, so not understanding consent and not understanding the need for consent. And usually we don't talk about it until it's too late. Mm-hmm. Until somebody has crossed that line and has not gotten consent. And now they don't even know why they're in trouble because they were just you know, yeah. doing what felt good or doing what they thought they wanted to do mm-hmm. or something. And the other person is frozen and it's hard for them to even know that they were violated. And, and it's, it's such a mess. And we have to start earlier and earlier to talk about this. Yeah. And, the where roughhousing comes in is you teach like, whoa, hold on. You can jump on me, but I have to be ready. So here's how it'll go. Hey, mom. Hey, dad. You ready for me to jump on you? Okay. So you take out a little bit of the fun of surprise. Okay. But you right. gain in this practice and consent. And we have to make sure that we ask for consent. Yep. So when we dive in and start tickling kids, then this is not getting their consent. Mm-hmm. So, um, and it's tickling is confusing because the child's laughing. It seems like a plus. I was going to bring up tickling because when yeah. I asked my listeners, um, like what their concerns with roughhousing was, one of the big things that was brought up pretty quickly was tickling and how their family doesn't do tickling and is tickling right. roughhousing. Right. So, Tickling is a very confusing thing because our bodies will laugh and yet we can feel out of control. And so I'm not a fan of tickling. I think people could use different words. The word tickling can mean a lot of things. So if it's like, I got you, (laughs) you barely touch or you don't even touch. Right. That hover. Yeah. Yeah. You can get all the laughs just by barely touching or not even touching Mm -hmm. at all. And it's quick and whoop. Like a like you yeah. do with a baby. You wouldn't take an infant and hold them down and stick your fingers in their armpits and you know, you just we know not to do that with a baby, but an you know, older kid they laugh and so it's confusing. Uh-huh. And so and most of us have had that experience of being hold down, held down against our will and tickled <laughs> so we can't breathe, and we're saying stop, but we're laughing and so our bodies have feel like they're betraying us. Right. We don't even know if we're enjoying it or not because the signals are so Yeah, fast. and I think that's where a lot of parents get stuck is that they don't yeah, want so, to have that experience with their kids. Yeah, so holding a kid down, tickling to the point where they say stop. Um, first of all, stop when they say stop. Don't take the laughter as your cue. Mm-hmm. They say stop, stop, even if they're laughing. Yeah, just put your um, hands up. That's what we've yeah. done. And um, And tone it down. And then... A lot of parents, and I'd say dads more than moms, mm-hmm. most generally, it's their go-to thing. 
you know, and it's understandable. It's like it gets an immediate response. Yeah. And so we need to expand our repertoire. And that's part of what this book, Your book does all, all example about. after example, a drawing. A lot of things to get the laughing going. Lots of skill levels. <laughs> right. We don't have to get to tickle to get the laughter going. You know, I've my favorite way to get kids to laugh is I fall over. <laughs> I mean, always. slapstick comedy works. Slapstick, exactly. <laughs> Fake crying. I can always get boys especially, but girls also, to laugh if I do fake crying. <laughs> well, I'm going to call my mommy on you. <laughs> and then they're just cracking up like, mommy, mommy, this kid's picking on me. Um, and, you know, there's no out of control. Yeah. I see a lot of kids who are very unregulated. Yeah. And I watch the, the families playing and there's often a lot of hardcore tickling. And I can understand they want that connection because when kids are unregulated, there's often a lot of disconnection, mm-hmm. a lot of no, and a lot of frustration and anger. You want that laughter. But I think that overwhelming tickling actually adds to the dysregulation. Yeah. So we can back off from tickling, find lots of other ways to laugh. Yeah, there are many, many more ways to connect. Um, for example, when I was reading the book before I talked to you, I uh, we did the lumpy cushion. Yeah, in my the person I lumpy cushion is a fourteen year old, <laughs> so she's outside uh-huh. of that sweet spot of yeah. play. Because you say roughhousing the ages is like three to eleven, is that like the sweet spot? Well, I think it's the sweet spot, but I, you know, babies, you know, <laughs> what do you do with roughhousing with a baby? It means you like get on the floor and you like use their face to roll them, your yeah. face to roll them over. You know? <laughs> yep, <laughs> and you just kind of smush, 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 and. And you gentle flying. Yeah. And then teenagers, yeah, I, some parents are afraid and they back off, you know. There's a lot there when those bodies get so big. Yeah. But, um, you know, when I got to know my stepson, he was 10 and 11 years old and we spent a few years doing a lot of wrestling. (laughs) He was checking me out, you know, can you handle me? Yep. And, he had studied karate for years, you know, which I don't have a clue about. And so he could have hurt me, but he didn't. <laughs> and, and his mom, my wife, had to go step out of the room because we would, it would be, ah! you know, pretty all out. But nobody got hurt. He always held back. I held back, of course. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, with teenagers, it's a different story. And I love that you do lumpy cushion with a 14-year-old. So I'll just explain how the game goes. So yeah. You just Pretend you don't notice the child sitting there and you sit on top of them <laughs> and you say, oh, this cushion is so lumpy. Yeah. And then they start saying, get off, get off. And it's like, and it talks. It's really weird. A lumpy cushion that talks. And then you're surprised to see them. Yep. Um, and with a, you know, six, seven year old, it's so funny. And with a 14 year old, it has that added element of like, ma. <laughs> And, yep, she had to take off her earbuds to talk yes, to me, right? Like exactly, I was like, ah. <laughs> exactly. So we get that element of surprise because you know if you're on the other side of the room saying, "Take off those earbuds and then talk to me and come here and sit down and have a conversation with me," well, that's lovely, but it that's doesn't not a way to connect. Yeah, it's not gonna happen if it's not happening. So, um, yeah. yeah. So you're never too old for it, and. You know, and, and, you know, and, and nobody's ever too old for it. When I used to do a lot of couples counseling, I was like, you know, guys, do you, you guys have a rough house, you know? <laughs> and, 
And, uh, and they're like, well, what are you talking about? And some couples are like, yeah, we, you know, we love it. And, and often it's the same, they can have some of the same kind of problems. It's like, it starts out playful and it, somebody yeah. crosses the line and gets upset or it's like, it turns into tickling, which then ends up feeling like, just, this reminds me of something really, mm-hmm, icky, some ick. you know, it's also intense and fun. It's a weird thing. And so. So I think it's important to bring up, right, that roughhousing isn't just for boys and dads, that exactly. you started roughhousing with your daughter. It was right. how you tiptoed into it. You mentioned your stepson, but initially. Yeah, yeah. And I I always think with girls, I'm always thinking about being physically powerful because girls get so many messages to be dainty and Cute and sweet. Yep. Shrinks. And be small. Don't take up space. Small. Exactly. Don't be loud. Don't be And There's all these nasty words we say mm-hmm. about girls and women. If they're big and strong and powerful and take up space and have a loud voice. And so um, with my daughter, I played a lot of games where um, she would, you know, I would, you know, I would push her, but then she would vanquish me. Yes. <laughs> and uh, one of my favorite moments, I think she was four years old, maybe five. And we were playing a game where she had to get past me to the couch. Okay. Yeah. I was guarding the couch and she <laughs> had to get past me. And at first she would say, look over there. And she would sneak around. And then, so I let her do that for a while and be sneaky. And then it's like, okay, now I'm not going to fall for any tricks. You have to get through me. You have to use your power and get through me. And she came towards me and I, Gave a little resistance and she just gave up and walked away. Oh. And I thought, oh, I pushed it too far. And should I go after her? Should I wait for her to come back? I wasn't sure what to do. And a minute later, she comes in back with her hands in the air and she says, I will never give up. And she tackled me and she went to the couch and she did this victory <laughs> dance on the couch. And I was like, what happened? And she said, I went to the power room and got more power. And this turns out she went to the bathroom and put some pretend imaginary lotion on herself. And this was her powerful self. And so when we're, when when we're wrestling with, with, and I saying this with girls, but this is true for a lot of boys too, um, where we want to be their sparring partner, you know, a sparring partner is on your side. (laughs) Sparring partner is not the enemy. And so you're there to encourage, you're there to push, you're there to, but not push too hard, not overpower them. So I crossed the line. I was like, yeah, just give up. But she found that power. And yeah. Um, and with boys, there's certainly plenty of boys who are on the more timid side. Absolutely. And, they push and you, they need to play first where they just barely touch you and you go flying <laughs> over to build that confidence. But then there's other kids and boys are a little more likely to be this way that are more wild and reckless. Yeah. But they need us to have the energy channeled in. And so when I'm thinking about boys, I'm always thinking about how do we have healthy inner power that's not violent? Mm-hmm. Boys get so many messages that masculinity is violence, that these are the same thing. Mm-hmm. Two sides of the same coin, masculinity and violence. And we have to unpack that for boys. And a lot of parents, of course, are afraid. They're like, Oh, wait, you know, if we're not violent, you know, if we're not, if we stop this violence, they're not going to be masculine. Or if we, well, we better not let them be masculine because then they'll be violent, you know, it's right. all over the map with this. But really, these are totally different things. 
And in our hearts, we know that true masculinity is not violent. Yes. Just like we know true femininity is not dainty princess. Correct. It's, you know, sure, that's there, but that's not the center. And so power inside. And so one of my favorite games for that is pushing hands. Okay. And with pushing hands, um, you put two hands out and they put two hands out. Yep. And first you do it so that your hands are almost touching. Okay. Now, some kids will want to skip this step. Yeah. (laughs) But if you do your two hands and their two hands almost touching, you feel energy field. Mm -hmm. In fact, even though both of these are me, I can kind of feel it. Yeah, I feel it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's cool. Mm-hmm. Right. So this is you're tuning in, you're tuning into one another. This is why I say rough housing is more like dancing. Than yeah. Like you're really tuned in. And then with something very cool, you use that energy field to push back and forth. Now, as I said, some kids will skip this step. Yeah. I'm going to go right to the next step. <laughs> exactly. You know? And the next step is you push each other and you're matching intensity. Okay. So I'm pushing and my hands are pushing with the same strength, so they're not moving. Mm-hmm. So whatever your kid gives you, you give back. And yeah. So you're just going, and now I'm pushing really, really hard, but no, but I'm not going anywhere. Right. Then fourth step, which might be your first step, <laughs> you go into the competition mode. And it's like, ah, oh, I'm going to push you out. No, 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 no. Ah. <laughs> um, and, um, I just, I just love this pushing hands game. It helps regulate. Um, it sometimes kids will start punching and then it's just, whoa, hold on, just pushing, just pushing. Um, I've seen a lot of boys who go from punching to giving up. And what they're missing is that inner strength. Yeah. That inner power. It's like helpless passivity or a violent response. Because I can't stand being to overdo it. Yeah. Yeah. And in between, there's that just that solid power. And what parents need to practice, I think, is putting up resistance and then uh, and then you let the child win. (laughs) And a lot of dads especially have trouble with this. Letting kids win is a whole different ball of wax right there. (laughs) And you're not all the time and not, you don't have to do it every time, but to not be afraid of it. it doesn't make children soft. It doesn't confuse them. Um, yeah. They, you know, they're, it builds that confidence. And a lot of parents say, well, their friends that's outside and people outside aren't going to let them win. It's like, right. They aren't. So let them build that confidence at home with you. Yes. We don't have to toughen them up, right? We already know that they're going to get enough experiences of falling down and getting bruises outside of our home that we don't have to add them. Exactly. And we don't have to prepare them for it by, you know, we're going to show you what it's like. Right. Yeah. Um, Yeah. No, we want you to have that spark inside and that power inside. Excellent. I just, can I just share a story about this? Yeah. I remember when I taught my daughter to play ping pong. Okay. And um, and it was frustrating for her because you know she's a brand new, a brand new thing, and she's small, and and so I was letting her win a lot of points, mm-hmm. um, and letting her get practice and not just get so discouraged that she's going to give up. And after a while of this, she said, 
are you playing your hardest? <laughs> and I said, do you want me to play my hardest? And she said, maybe half your hardest. And I said, okay. So I stepped it up. But here, this proved to me that if you meet children's need to be powerful and confident and that you're on their side, then that will activate that inner motivation mm-hmm. to really go all out and to risk losing yeah. in order to see where am I at. And so um, it was. it's a matter of trust. Yeah. Trust that that's going to happen. And that's what a lot of the roughhousing games allow us to try, is to let our kids trust us. Um, I mean, the most easiest example, right, is when a toddler trusts someone to do airplane with them. You, they're no, they know that you're not going to make them fall, but we forget that that's part of roughhousing is building that continued trust as these bodies get bigger. And we have to figure out how our bodies are aging and how to roughhouse with exactly. them too. <laughs> tell me about it. <laughs> yeah, I do it with my granddaughter and I don't have quite the stamina that I used to do, but, uh, but it's certainly fun. Well, do you have any, um, we've talked about like a lot of beginner moves. Is, do you have mm-hmm. an advanced move that you could give us for roughhousing? Um, sure. Let me think about more advanced moves. Um, there's um, one way I think about advanced movements when it really takes a lot of care and a lot of tuning in. Okay. And so, um, and it's not, you know, and you can do this with a young child as long as you've really uh, mastered that sense of, like you said, you can trust me. I'm not going to drop you. Mm-hmm. So there's one that we call the red tornado. Okay. Um, and it's good to do this on a mat or something on the floor. Okay. And I actually like to do it with a spotter. <laughs> um, so um, the child stands in front of you with their back to you. Mm-hmm. And um, they put their, they lean over and put their hands back underneath their legs, in between their legs. Okay. And you take hold of their hands. Okay. And you do this lift and flip. Oh, yeah. So you're kind of lifting their whole body up by their hands and then sort of the back of their legs. And you lift them and they flip over and land on their feet. And it is wild. And <laughs> um, the first few times you want to have a spotter. Absolutely. Um, because um, you can easily kind of misjudge where the floor is. Yeah. And where the is. Um, so um, let's see. That's a fun one. Um uh, parkour, you know, kind of home parkour or yeah. backyard or out on the street parkour, which is just climbing on stuff. Absolutely. <laughs> it's one of my so favorite things to do with bigger kids at the playground, right? Like yeah. the little kid parents are always shocked when we show up with a 10 year old and 14 year old and 16 year old, but they're using the playground as a parkour element. Exactly. So you climb as high as you can, you jump, you, and what I love about this and all good roughhousing is the child is in charge of determining what's safe. Yep. And you're, you're, they're building that muscle. If we are always the one telling them that's safe, go do it. Don't be a baby. Go do it. Or that's not safe. You can't do that. Then they don't build that muscle to know what's safe and what's not. And so we start young and we say, Oh, is that safe? You know, or, or we take a video of them climbing and we say, 
oh, what do you think about this? And um, I was a little scared when I when this was happening. And what about you? And 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 boy, you fell down a lot. What can we do to make that safer? And when we have those kind of conversations where it's an actual conversation, not a lecture. Yes. Not a you don't know how to be safe and you're not allowed to do that and all that stuff, which you're you're taking away that muscle building uh, ability. Yeah, because this helps them learn how to trust themselves and to find that power. Exactly. So they find the power. They do the trust. They they figure out to trust themselves. And so parkour, when they're like running up a wall and see how high can you run run diagonally up a wall, it's like, okay, I don't do that. I'm scared. Okay. I'm not willing to take that risk, but I'm trusting myself. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but so I have to trust kids to know, okay, can you, um, you look at it and you do it and you know, and you climb as high as you feel is safe that, you know, is safe. You do the risk. Yeah. It, it, I love the joy that can come from this and your book really expresses that. And I am so thankful. Like this book is going, uh, my nephew turns three in April and this book is going to be sent to him. I can't wait. (laughs) Um, where can people find you online? What's the best way to connect with you or are you Um, not online? Yeah. So I have a, uh, I have a website, Mm playfulparenting.com. Um, I am planning to update it. It's very out of date, (laughs) but if you send me an email, um, Larry at playfulparenting.com. Okay. Then I'll put you on my newsletter list. That's the best way to get any up-to-date information. Yes. Workshops and trainings and just whatever I happen to be thinking about that day when I write the newsletter. <laughs> um, That's awesome. Yeah. And always your books, most of the libraries have them. Get this newest absolutely. one. Request yeah. it for your library. I'm a big yes, fan of... Absolutely. So... Yeah, playful parenting has been out a long time, but it's uh you know, I think it's still solid and I Absolutely. I, it helped me as a teacher. I remember great. reading it before I had kids and it helped me leave okay. sticky notes of silly jokes on different kids' chairs who wouldn't sit down. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's a great idea. Um yeah, and the opposite of worry is all about children's anxieties and um and if you're an anxious parent, you'll find that it helps you with your anxiety. Yep. Um, and then the new one, Unplug and Play, you know, we got to get kids off of screens all the time. And, you know, we can't just nag at them and say, turn that off. You know, we don't turn our own off. So um, instead of turn that off, it's like, yeah, let's wrestle. Let's yeah. Go off. We um, all need more physical activity. We can yeah. we can look at the kids and point at them, but the mirror is shining pretty big back. Exactly. Well, thank you. Each episode ends with two um, very specific questions. So if you have an idea, um, the first one is self-care. How are you taking care of yourself? Or do you have any ideas for parents and self-cares? Um, well, I've been doing a lot of yoga lately. Um, yoga and Qigong, which is just sort of these very gentle movements. And I, um, I just find it very quieting and balancing. Um, and, um, it's, but I want to give a two second version too. Okay. Because I know for a lot of parents, especially with young kids, you know, who has 15 minutes, much less an hour. It's intimidating. To, um, yeah. To start. Yeah. So my favorite. Uh, maybe not two seconds. My favorite 10 second okay. self-care 
It's called Pat the Baby. Okay. And you pretend that you have a baby on your shoulder and you're burping the baby and patting the baby gently. And the baby starts out a little fussy and then they kind of mold to you and calm down and you know how you feel. Yeah. Child. Oh, and they have that sigh. Yep. Oh. I do this when kids are screaming out of control. I do this on an airplane if there's a crying baby. And, you know, and the the parent is so anxious that everybody's going to... Everyone's you know, spiraling. Everybody else is like, that's dumb. I can't believe they let babies on a plane, you know. Yeah. And, and so I send out this. And at the very least, it always slows my heart rate and slows my breathing. And then often I feel it spread out to other people without telling them you got to calm down. Which, <laughs> Never seen that work. Never. We co-regulate. So I love that. (laughs) Yeah. That's beautiful. And then you've given a lot of ideas, but maybe you can remind people of one idea for family fun. Sure. My very favorite is the soccer game. (laughs) And you can play with two. It's more fun with three, four, five. Um, You get on the floor with your feet towards each other and you have socks on and no shoes. Okay. And one, two, three, go. And you have to get everyone else's socks off of their feet and keep (laughs) your own socks on your feet. And so you can play offense. You can play defense. You can try to do both at once. (laughs) You're grabbing other people's socks and throwing them off or sticking them in your pocket. And then they're trying to get their socks back. (laughs) back. And it's impossible not to laugh and giggle during this game. That's a, it sounds like a good one for all ages too. Absolutely. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to write this book and talking with me. It's just a gift and an honor. And um, I appreciate your time. My pleasure, Christy. Great to talk with you. Are you inspired? I really hope you are. This episode has made me more playful and more physical in a good way with my kids. Now, don't forget, you are exactly the right mom for your kids, and you're already good enough. (laughs) Let's lower the pressure together and just enjoy our kids. Let our kids notice our eyes being delighted when they walk in the room. Let's enjoy the amazing lives we already have. And I'm so glad you are here on Earth. As always, please share this episode to one or two friends that you think might really get some good tips out of it and leave any comments and reviews wherever you're listening to this podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for keeping calm and mothering on with me. See you next time.